Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball, and today's guest, Lucy Dugan, is a former poetry editor of Heat Magazine and is now at Westerly Magazine at the University of Western Australia, and also works for the journal Axon Creative Explorations. Her first poetry book, Memory Shell, won the Mary Gilmore Award in 2000. Her second book, White Clay, won the Arts ACT Alex, Alec Bolton Award when it was in manuscript form. She's here today to talk about her latest book, The Guardians. Lucy Dugan, welcome. It's lovely to be with you, Maggie. Now, I know that many of the poems in, in the collection had been published in anthologies and journals. How did the book as a whole come about? Oh, look, it was a very... Um, it takes me a long time to, for, for material to coalesce. Um, and... Oh, when I, when I, when, well, with Memory Shell, you know, going, if I can, if I can answer this by going backwards in time, um, I was such a greenhorn, it was such a pleasure just that poems were happening and they were accumulating. So that was a bit of happenstance with that. With White Clay, I felt that I had a really strong vision for that book, that I really felt what I was doing, that even though I sort of can't write to a plan and I don't know whether any poet really can, um, it was a bit of a concept album and it was very pleasing. Um, the Guardians was a was a much more um, shattered experience for me, I think, in, in terms of, you know, trying to pull it all together. But once I sort of had, it, it came by, I suppose, runs of kind of, you know, preoccupations or obsessions or associations. Um, and it, for a very long time, it was just a very baggy, saggy, um, fractured, tatty looking manuscript. And a dear friend of mine, um, you know, I just had to relinquish it. I handed it over to her and she said, what are you doing? You know, send it off <laughs> so I, it needed that it needed that release I think you know into the world of readers for, to tell me that it, that it was okay that it was ready to go mm. Mm. yes I, I mean I did I certainly felt that there were themes that ran consistently through the book um, mm. may, maybe more light motifs than themes yes I think so I think that's very much how it works yeah mm. yes mm. Um, the idea one of them was the idea of the masks we put on, those roles perhaps that we take on and what we inherit, both good and bad. Mm. Strong, very, very strong thread. Yes, yeah. I found yeah. that. So just to, to, to take us there, mm. can I get you to read um, the first poem in the book, The Mask? Absolutely, of course. And that's page Pleasure. three, just in case. I have it. <laughs> that one should be easy <laughs> to find. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Mask. This is the house of her childhood. It's not standing anymore. And in that house she slept in a long thin room in the bed for the youngest against a bank of dimpled louvers that broke up all the leaf shapes outside so that they patterned the patch of floor on which she played. Below the place she slept was a room beneath the house and from that room one summer her mother had dragged out an old brown trunk. Perhaps it held the other life of the house, she had said, but to her child's eye, its contents gave disappointment. There were tatty papers curling at the edges, 
things that someone had begun to knit and given up on. Beneath this tangle something lay that her mother snatched up quickly. It was a face made of linen. There were eye holes and a mouth, and they took turns in it, running crazily about the garden. But she already hated it, had relinquished it to the grass, where it lay, she imagined, sulking. Breathless, she asked who made it. Probably my nana, said her mother. Oh, was all she managed to say back. That night she wondered if there were more rooms beneath the room under her bed. How deep did they go down? And if each of her mother's mothers stretching right back had left a fearful face there for her to try on. I just love the implications in that, all of the, the subtleties about about these rooms underneath, <laughs> the metaphor that that, yes. that is. So talk to me about this, these rooms, about what's fearful about them. Well, I, I mean, I, th- I think that as a child, um, you know, if, if you're lucky, you, you really take a lot of the sort of, you know, the mise-en-scene, the sort of drama of your early years and your, and your family life just as, as a given. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, things, I mean, maybe I'm, you know, not a very wise child, but, yeah, a lot of things dawned on me very slowly. So it was that sense of um, going back, going going backwards and kind of burying back down. Into, I mean, I'd never realised that the house that I grew up, grew up in had belonged to my grandmother. Um, so... Yeah, that's something I discovered, you know, re- reasonably along in life. And then that sort of got me thinking about, well, you know, who, you know, how did that happen? Who, you know, who had what power? Um, you know, all those sorts of questions that you, you sort of, I think, start to ask as an adult ab- about your childhood, perhaps. Yes, mm. and even to the mask is the roles that we take on, that we're we're being asked to take mm. on. You know, here, try this on. You're, you're a girl, mm. you're a female, you know, you, yes. you could be this. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, um, yes, I had a very sort of, you know, just despite having a lovely relationship with my father and a good relationship with my brother, my, I just, the, 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 the sort of big and powerful figures in my sort of early imagination are, are feminine. Um, and, and I think you can feel that in, in this book. Mm. Yes, um, another thread, and, and this is definitely related to the first one, is this idea of poetry as, as archaeology, about how we uncover layers of ourselves, the selves we know, the selves we don't know, and, and also yes. maybe a bit of genetics here too, all of those influences waiting for us. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. The, 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 the idea that you know the past is very much ahead of us, um, yeah, and, and, and not the stable entity that we perhaps hoped it might be or, <laughs> you know, yeah. And rich fodder for poetry, too, isn't it? Because it's not something that, that is easy to discuss, but it lends itself to to visuals, to mm. metaphors and imagery. Very much so. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, yeah, that's right. The, what, you know, what, what analogies you can find for trying to talk about that ground or express that ground, um, you know, they, they're hard to come by and they emerge slowly. So that perhaps reflects back on, you know, my, my sense of this book, or this body of work as sort of being more scattered. You know, I think those things take a long time. Do, do you think as well, um, and this has only just occurred to me as we're talking, but do you think as well that there are some aspects of science 
Um, and maybe that is biology, and you know, maybe it is it is other things too, like um, quantum physics, for example, um, that that actually do lend themselves more to a poetic analysis um, than perhaps the scientific method. Oh, completely. I mean, I mean, I I think a lot of the sort of I mean, I'm no science head, but I think a lot of um, the premises of that discipline are utterly poetic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, psychology in particular. I think it it, it seems to resist in many ways um, this uh, <laughs> this clinical analysis. Mm. Oh, absolutely, and and you know, hence the you know the efficacy of of therapy yes. for you know for, for many people in trouble. Mm. Yeah, so so let's talk about animals now. Um, you have mm. all sorts of animal metaphors going through the book: mice, dogs, a fox, yes. even totems. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I've been thinking about this a bit and I've, you know, and I've, you know, obviously it's been noted and, and others have asked me. Um, I obviously, um, you know, ha- you know, a lot, you know, having a life with small children and then, you know, slightly older children, you know, there's, you spend a lot of time with them and with, with family pets. Um, and I think when you're writing, when you're alone a lot or, you know, trying to find that time to write and scrape together, you know, my, my, I had my companions uh, a lot of that, through a lot of that time were, are and have been animals. Um, and, uh, you know, I think if you spend that kind of time sideways um, with a creature, um, it gets you thinking <laughs> totally. And also, um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I use the quote from John Berger in the book about, um, you know, dogs kind of leading humans to sort of, you know, an interstices between different realities, you know, where the human world falls away and the that the sort of animal world emerges. And and I'm, you know, really love that idea. Um, that was that was a big sort of, you know, driving influence. Um, and I also think the book is written over a period of time in which I obviously, you know, did did have to deal with a serious illness. And I I was amazed at, at how intuitive um, our, the animals that we live were <laughs> about about that and, and their sort of responses to it. Mm. Yeah, yes, dogs in particular, I think, um, wasn't there mm. a recent study that said they can actually smell, smell and identify yes. cancers? Yes, that, absolutely. Yes, mm. yes. So, so I think you know she was, you know, on one level, you know, she had her own knowledge. Our old family dog had her own knowledge about what was going on, and she was very attached to me in that time. And I've I've also noticed that you know when our children have been ill, you know, over the years, she, you know, she literally goes on guard. Yeah. Mm. So, so, yeah. Not all the animals are benign, though. I mean, they're not all necessarily positive in the book. Um, one one animal type, um, which I found was not necessarily negative, but just a little bit sinister, were the mice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, those, those crazy out-of-control critters. Yes, definitely. Yes, oh. I, and I almost saw them as also something else, that perhaps the mice were metaphors for something that comes back to bite you. <laughs> Yes. Oh no. I think you're you're absolutely right. And and I think also the sort of that they're almost sort of revenants, aren't they? You know, the 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 ghostly. Um, mm, definitely. Especially when they've been literally taken to be drowned. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I know. Well, oh, here they are. <laughs> this is your karma. Yes. So can, can you read us the mice on that note? 
Absolutely. It's not page nine. Yep. The mice. My mother took them to the river with a packet of wheat bicks, their carousel, that scampering roundabout of who am I, their dense burrow smell. I could add them to the list of things with which I never played, gifts from my wayward father that were out of bounds, the idea of mouse, a rumour, frantic in abandoned parts. She unlatched the cage and said, kids, you're on your own. But they come back, these feral colonies I could not tend. They come back with their cold little paws. We've been away for such a long time, they chant. They are the chorus of what could have been. When I was a child, storybooks were full of mice, their thin limbs poking from dimity smocks and neat waistcoats. Lost mice, untraceable country cousins. That stretch of land by the river, it really was wild, a wasteland then. We lay in clumps of bamboo and smoked our first cigarettes. Bamboo bumsuckers. The lost mice clamoured inside my head spins. The priests came down to practice their golf. They gave us their soft Irish voices, glimpses of secular ankles as they pulled up their cassocks to wade into swampy land. We, retrie- we retrieved their lost golf balls and with the rewards bought more cigarettes, holy cigarettes. Taboos were built into everything that happened in the clumps. The other day I went back for the mice and saw a man sitting on a fold-out chair just at the edge of where it used to be wild. He faced away from the view towards the road. I wanted to pull over and not exactly talk to him, just reclaim a little rank whiff from the poshed-up frontage. There was something wrong with the man. He seemed to be doing an imitation of a man sitting in the sun. Like me, the place was lost on him. Mm. I feel I could read that poem several times and still take something else from it. I I think it's one of those, um, for me, you know, the experience of writing it was that it just kept on opening out and it was sort of like a series of, like an old viewfinder, sort of, you know, a series of views just kind of collapsing and falling down, you know, one on top of the other. Um, So I I quite like it that it sort of keeps opening up. Yes, that's a good way to describe it. Opening up and also going inward at the same Mm. time as it goes outward. Quite an interesting um, connection Mm. between the inner and outer world. Mm. So um, the the animals tie into the theme of wildness as well that runs through the book. And maybe that's partly what the mice represent, although they represent so many things. Um, It's it's amazing how many um, different allusions from those mice you were able to get into that piece and, and still have it be completely seamless. Yes, I've um, trained them well, those you, mice. You have, you have. They're good. They're uh, like the Hitchhiker's Guide mice. G- yes. Genius, little geniuses from another dimension. That's <laughs> right. Trans-dimensional beings. Um, so the, the the theme of wildness also, the, this notion of the wild estate. Talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, I think that was something that... Um, you know, that's got such a sort of, you know, think, things can be very hazy. Um, the first the first sort of inklings I had that I was sort of attracted to the idea of, you know, the the wild space that we sort of stumble on, um, you know, in our, in almost really in, in suburban or urban living, just, it actually came from just reading and being aware of sort of moments in text where characters somehow, you know, fall out of one space into another, um, and and the and the kind of things that 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 allows 
to happen, you know. So, so it was very much more came out of probably reading some novels um, and and even, say, something like um, Andrea Arnold's fantastic film Fish Tank, you know, in which there's these sort of, um, you know, very unhappy, um, underprivileged story of an unhappy sort of underprivileged girl that no one's really looking after or loving, but she sort of has access to, uh, you know, a sort of a deepening sense of what life might be, you know, through through contact with horses that that um, a gypsy family are keeping on a tenement nearby, you know, and, and, and through sort of little, just little pockets of wild. You know, so I, I just sort of became very interested in what it is, those kind of really ambivalent spaces um, can, can offer us, you know, and what, what, you know, that we, what they're about. I, the other, the other, sort of grounding I had with it is that I, um, you know, my mum um, is, was um, a, a doctor and so, you know, very, very busy professional life and I had a, a very patient and lovely um, carer, an older woman when I was, you know, before I was school-aged and one of the things that she did with me most was just take me for long, rambly, suburban walks where we'd inevitably end up, you know, at a vacant block. And she would just let me go for it, you know, collect caterpillars, you know, make make things with sand. And, and I, 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 I really, I've been thinking about this and I think that's the actual kind of uh, experience of, Oh, you know, thinking about these spaces and what they offer us. Mm. Yes, we. I mean, I guess kids don't do that quite so much anymore, do they? We, unfortunately, we seem to be moving away from this. Uh, yeah, I think. I don't know. I think. I think it very much just. I think. I think it depends where you live and what the mm. like sort of little microculture of that neighbourhood is. Because certainly, we've just got this fantastic raggle taggle group of suddenly our neighbourhood is again full of spot the next generation and particularly boys. And it really is a bit like um, what's that movie where they? Or what's the beautiful book where they all end up on the island killing each other? <laughs> like that at the moment so i mean i look at them you know i think there is a rhetoric you know and so not lord of the flies i hope there's lord of the flies it's a bit like lord of the flies in our neighborhood at the moment. but um in a good way but let's let, let's let's make that plain but um yeah i think the, i think we sort of sort of have it, it swings both ways and um, i mean certainly uh you know, the digital world has, yeah, completely revamped and changed what children do. But I, I have a suspicion that given left to their own devices, children still very much want to do <laughs> that, that just that kind of unstructured, you know, mulling around um, wherever that might be. Yes. So um, speaking of mulling around, um, let's talk about craft. Uh, because I, I feel like this notion of handicraft and handiwork, only my hands will suffice. Mm. Um, it, it gives the book quite a multimedia feel. You know, we've got, mm. we've got, we've got touch. The sewing, mm. like the dog and reworking the tutu, painting, mm. you know, homemade mm. drawings, renovations, and, and the handmade mm. ties. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I suppose I've always, um, you know, held to an idea that, that, you know, before anything else, you know, poetry is a making. Um, I've never been 
I've never sort of I've had a big interest in sort of a sense of trying to develop an intuiting intuitive craft um, just through reading and listening. Um, but for sure, I I. I I love the idea that it perhaps has a sort of a a, a a made by hand presence that can be analogous to other things we do with and, and make with with our hands. Mm. So can you can you read the ties my sister makes? Um, yes, these almost adulterous ties. <laughs> it's page forty-three. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. The ties my sister makes. Silk ties my sister makes lie sheathed in plastic sheets in their pigeonholes in the factory beneath the volcano. They hold all the colours of the sea and are scaled like fishes too, so that when I first see them laid out in their obedient ranks, I want to exclaim like Wilmouse at the Roman fish market, Che belle cose! My sister's ties will be dispatched about the world their underwater silvers and greens flashing in the dark aquariums of shop windows. I think of all the necks they will encircle, the men who will make their deft adjustments and the women who will stroke them and roll them away with socks or hang them inside wardrobe doors, unaware of my sister's clever hands and of her name inside the label, beating out its syllables silently next to their husband's hearts. Quite a lot of humour in that one too. Yes, subtle, yes. subtle humour, black humour, maybe. Yes, yes, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I feel um, personally that 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 there is quite a lot of humour in this book, and I hope that that gets picked up. Um, you know, I, yeah, I feel. I mean, you know, I think it's there's a lot of sort of difficult ground, and there's a lot of sadness, but I hope that's kind of a little bit leavened by humorous moments. Yes, I, I think it is absolutely. Do you, do you feel the ties too? The, the, and and you talked about this a little bit about the making of the poem, but the, this kind mm. of creation is in some ways analogous to the making of a poem, isn't it? Oh yes, that's very much so. Very much so. And yep. do you feel there's almost something adulterous about, about the poetry as well? You know, this idea of the sensual poetry being read and loved by a uh. person in that silent space. Is is can that be it? Um, I mean, I think I yeah, think maybe it's. it's a long word. I mean, I think there's no there's no doubt that poetry is a, a sensuous art, mm-hmm. and that it has, you know, p- pleasures that are that that are beyond its its semantic or surface meanings or whatever. Um, yes, adulterous <laughs> is the wrong word. I think maybe yes, just intimate. I, Intim- and intimacy it's, that you are putting out there. It's such an intimate art, yes, mm. yes. And I, and, I, and I think that's why, you know, you can get as many sort of, you know, hopefully some, you know, some favourable reviews and some reviews that really sort of understand the book and hit it on the head. But there's nothing more pleasurable than a close friend or family member saying to you, you know, I, I really got this poem or I really liked this poem or I thought it was for me or, you know, that... that that to me is one of the great pleasures of this kind of um, endpoint of a collection. Yes, I mean, you know, it, it's very subtle, and, and you can't even pinpoint it. I don't think in your work specifically, it's not syrupy work, but I, I feel that there's a, a kind of thread running through the book um, of the way love, almost like agape, you know, a selfless care mm. type love, um, mm. as being the thing that saves us at the end of the day. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I do think that's there. 
most yes most tangibly yes Mm. yes and and certainly um I probably, you know, it, it, it's probably just, in a way, just too embedded in in a lot of the work, to, as you say, to kind of tease out. But but yes, I, I'm I'm aware of that now. Now that it's a sort of finished body of work. Mm. Yeah. So on that note, I'll I'll ask you to read what is, in fact, my favourite poem in the book, um, which yep. is a, a picture from Julia on seventy six. Okay, the last, the last, the last yep. one. Yes. Yep. If you don't think it's a spoiler, it's hard to talk about spoilers. Uh, no, no spoilers. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> a picture from Julia. Now I need your spring as I never did when it was simply mine. You've drawn me a very wintry picture. My hair is charcoal. The heavens rain down three cold things all at once. But that's okay. I endure in the shelter your pencil has granted me. Looking back from the hollow of a ruined tree to your luxuriant tendrils, your off-the-shoulder number, your quattrocento lawn. If anyone should take this green off me, I will summon the harpies, set all of Campania alight, and not rest until the white button daisies return and your feet make a path through the thaw. I do love that one. I need a moment of silence before I... (laughs) (laughs) just this notion I mean I you know I I throw out so many pictures or I have thrown out so many pictures over the years and I'm sure you have too but Mm. I guess the idea of what they represent yes I I think sometimes um you know they they are like you know messages or gifts from from somewhere else now I I think that that's entirely mysterious and I know sometimes you know as a parent particularly with a strong emotional connection to a child you know you can you can read too much into something or try and sew it up too neatly um but again uh probably you know just just at that time you know uh, after I'd been through breast cancer and you know I had some hair again and um, I was out and about in the world a lot more. Um, my youngest, Julia, sort of d- drew me this um, diptych um, of exactly these two figures, which were very, you know, very Demeter Persephone of, of her, of the sort of, you know, the the the, the young, alive, green um, woman, and then this, you know, much much sort of much more wintry, <laughs> wintry looking creature. Um, in it, sort of, you know, like in it, just emerging from a, a, a ruined trunk of a tree. But they, but they were sort of in dialogue with each other. And I just thought that's. I mean, she was only, you know, a very young child, eight or nine. Um, but it just seemed to have its own intelligence about sort of a transference of something that was going on, and also, you know, as a sort of an, as a sort of just a. a, a a sort of a visual record of of regeneration, and um, it, I was just yeah un- unbelievably struck by 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 this, you know, yes. and and just I guess just a symbol of of love and how you know it's there. Yes, yes, and I think sometimes you know uh, you know things things actually you know things actually can't be said or they you know they're beyond words or you know beyond our capacity at that time you know to to find the words and um yeah those those things certainly you know certainly stay stay with you and mean a lot yes so uh, 
let's talk just a tiny bit because we don't have a lot more time. Mm. But um, the theme of health, um, which mm. of course is another thread through the book and connected to what we've been talking about. Um, yes. Can I just get you to read Eve, which is on yes. 63? Yes, of course. Eve. Eve is my doctor. She tells me every year that I am doing okay. I walk back to the car by the artificial lake. I don't park underground. The illness itself was enough of burial. I look at the bird life, the trees, shabby in the time of my treatment, that have recovered now. I say the name Eve to the water, the sky, the birds, the footpath and the parking meter. And each time it is as if I am the first speaking woman on earth. And is it your doctor's name? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Much like the much like the picture that Julia drew, it, it is it is her name, you know. Yes, so wonderful. I was quite struck by this. I sort of inherited her much later in the process when my um wonderful surgeon retired and he, he said now don't worry don't worry I'm passing you on and um you know I still remember that first moment of walking in the door and her saying hello I'm Eve and I thought oh really <laughs> 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 great I'm a poet I can use this <laughs> <laughs> that's right oh that yes that 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 came later but I just remember thinking really it's like when I was diagnosed um the road I drove down had an intersecting road called Dante Crescent. Oh, God. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but the sign did point the other way, which even then I thought, good, good. Yes, thank goodness. <laughs> well, I suppose it's the consolation of the writer, isn't it? Um, you know, even as you're lying there, you're thinking, mm, let me just remember. <laughs> I oh, I think so. This pain. I, I think as, you know, and I, I'm, you know, I've heard about this a lot and you will have too, you know, that, 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 you know, many artists in you know whatever whatever they're whatever they're creating, there is that chism, there is that splitting off where you're just going, well, maybe you know, maybe there's some good copy here, you know, <laughs> this little, which is kind of hateful, but at the same time, you know, I think it's also a way of dealing with oh, for you sure. know, with very difficult territory, mm. and yes. and distant and distancing it, putting it in its place, you know, exerting at least some control over over what is essentially very scary and and you know out of your control yes well yes. I, I guess also putting it into a universal context that it's very easy when you're in the midst of grief to or pain mm. to mm. see that as being something that's solely your own and and so then mm. broadening that out and looking at what does this mean how does it what does it mean to me what does it mean in a broader sense because i'm not the yes. only one of course going through this no no that's right yeah um, but I still love Eve is great. It's a great metaphor for uh, for being, you know, I guess rejuvenation in that sense too. Yes, indeed, and and sort of, you know, for, you know, great, great mothers, you know, being being cared for, being hmm, yes, con- being great in mothers. contact, being in contact with the earth. Yes, hmm. and picking up that whole theme of mothering, I suppose, mothers and daughters, that runs through the book. Mm, indeed. So uh, we're nearly out of time, but but before we finish off, I'd just love to hear what's in the pipeline for you. What's coming? What are you working on or keen to work on? Oh, there's, there's a number of things. Um, I'm, I'm very committed to the idea of um, hopefully um, editing Faze Wiki's journal. She's kept this amazing journal since the 1970s and um, been doing little bits and pieces on that, but I'd love to sort of just, you know, 
get some time together and and um, and you know come up with a plan for doing that. And then with the poetry, I mean, I you know I don't know how you feel about this, Maggie, but I'm always kind of really happy and excited to be at a juncture where. I'm just going to let it all happen again. You know, it's just a, it's just a kind of a re-immersion. It's a dipping back in. It's it's waiting for things to kind of coalesce, and I quite enjoy that time of um, you know, just scrappy drafts and bits and pieces around the place. And yeah, that 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 takes a long time for me, but I've always wanted to feel that I have a freedom there. Mm-hmm. You know, that there is actually no real project. Um, or anything too formal that drives it. I, I really enjoy having that that sort of sense of freedom and of starting out, you know, sort of endlessly starting out again. And you just write them one at a time and, and until you start to see things developing? Yes. Yes. can take a long, long time. Yes, mm. yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. one of the nice things about poetry, though, is I suppose you can just send them out as they come through and uh, <laughs> pull them right. all together I, later. I think, you get the double, the double sense of satisfaction. True. That, that's right. We, I mean, I think we're so blessed in Australia. You know, there's there's so many wonderful people doing so much hard graft in our small journal sort of publishing industry and, you know, without them it's kind of un, unimaginable um, as, as it is without our valiant small publishers. Yes, like Westerly, for example. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes that old war horse. Yes, 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 still surviving. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Lucy. Um, And listeners, don't forget to join us next time when Carolyn Martinez joins us to talk about her new book, Finding Love. Bye for now. Bye, Maggie.